I have long used the image of paddling down rapids as the way you navigate through life. For me, the current's bringing you one direction. You can sometimes eddy out and pause a little bit and catch your breath. You don't decide where the rocks are, you just decide how to make it around them and you have to respond to what life throws at you as you keep paddling down the river. That familiar voice is Justin Trudeau, Canada's Prime Minister, Honorary Fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, and for our purposes today, avid lover of paddling and all things canoe. He's our guest on our second annual Summer Canoe Series here on the Canadian Geographic Explore podcast. Welcome to all you explorers out there, armchair and in motion. Before we get to our guest, a reminder that if you want more amazing storytelling about this incredible country of ours, it can be yours with a subscription to Canadian Geographic magazine. For over 90 years, this award-winning magazine has been bringing unique, thoughtful, awe-inspiring stories and photography about this great land of ours. An annual subscription is just $28.50. Such a bargain. To sign up, go to canadiangeographic.ca forward slash subscribe. You'll be happy that you did. So it's a great thrill to have Prime Minister Trudeau join us for our second annual Summer Canoe Series. We recorded it on the top floor of the RCGS headquarters with stunning views overlooking the mighty Ottawa River, one of the world's great canoeing and exploration routes. As you'll hear, Prime Minister Trudeau is absolutely passionate about canoeing. So not surprisingly, our conversation is a fun ride. It takes us through the rapids of the Nahani to lakes and rivers of the boreal forest and frothing waters of the Rouge, the Tachinchinialsek, the Des Moines. We're joined on this journey by his father, another canoe-loving prime minister, and canoe legends like Bill Mason and Chuck Commanda. I don't think he needs any more introduction, so let's get right to my talk with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I'll just kick it off and say, Prime Minister Trudeau, thank you so much for coming on the Canadian Geographic Explorer podcast. No, no, what a, what a pleasure to be here. Any chance I get to talk about canoeing, I'm, uh, I'm all in. Well, if we are thinking of Prime Ministers who are canoers, probably the only other one that comes up like you would be your father, so there's a real... Well, I'm, I'm only that way because that's how he raised me, so uh, I don't know if that counts as two or just, uh, yeah. just one continuity. Yeah, I just, I want to talk about the canoe behind us first, because... Uh, that we think is a Chuck Commando birch bark canoe. So from could this be. Area. I, I look at that and I, and I, I am reminded of uh, summer days uh, up at uh, Harrington Lake, where uh, where my father had the the birch bark canoe out. I think it's the one that's now in the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough. But he he you know stir up this horrible smelling mixture of pitch and bear grease. Uh, and sort of painted on the seams of the birch bark canoe to keep it keep it intact. And I'm like, Dad, where'd you get bear grease from? He's like, oh, I think, you know, Elder Commander got it for me or something. It was like, uh, but I, I remember his his he wasn't necessarily a he wasn't a man with a lot of hobbies. Mm -hmm. uh, so seeing him do that yeah. was like amazing. And, yeah. And, yeah, that was his release, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. it really was. That, that's, that's, which is incredible. So I want to go and start on a bit of a tangent. When I was graduating high school, you know, you all get the end of the year, you sign everyone signing each other's yearbooks. And we had this amazing English teacher, a guy named Larry Peters, who had also led us all on a canoe trip down the Des Moines River, just up here. Amazing whitewater river. I've, I did the Des Moines a few years ago with my kids, actually. Oh, wow. It's, it's yeah. lovely. It's yeah. a beautiful river. Yeah. So we'd done that with him. He'd been my English teacher. He signs my yearbook. And it's, in it, he writes, I like you better with a paddle in your hand. 
And so at 18, I think that's a very Canadian thing. There's, uh, you wouldn't want to be friends with anyone who you didn't like more when they had a paddle in their hands. Well, it, so I have to say, I was put out at first, right? You know, a little like, uh, but then exactly, this is where I landed. I, I like me better with a paddle yeah. in my hand. And I, and I know you've been canoeing, like, as you said, since you were a kid with your dad and with some amazing people through that. And it's still something you get back to, even with the the challenges of your job and the time. Consuming. Oh, on any given day, you can ask me when was the last time in a canoe, and I can tell you exactly. Uh, last time I was in a canoe was uh, earlier this summer when we went to uh, Halifax for the North American Indigenous Games, uh, and I had Hadrian, my, my youngest, beside me, and we were in a, in a, in a big war canoe with, uh, uh, with a bunch of Mi'kmaq leaders uh, crossing, the, crossing the lake. So, yeah. like, I, for me, any chance I can get with a paddle in my hand is, is a, a good day. But why canoeing? What is that? What is the feeling it brings you? I think there's two things that make, that make paddling so important. One is to be a good paddler, you've got to be in balance. And not just literally, but, but I mean, yes, you have to be attuned to, to how you're sitting, where you physically are in the canoe, how you're leaning and all that. But you've got to be attuned to what the waves and the winds are doing, what the rapids are doing. If you want to stay up and if you want to stay <laughs> dry-ish, um, you've got to know, have a really strong sense, not just of self, but how self fits into the world around you. So that sense of balance, of awareness, of what you know, people call mind, mindfulness these days, that is, is that, that's a word I don't use a lot, but I, like, I recognize it when yogis talk to me about that. For me, it's in a canoe. But the other thing that matters so much about a canoe is it's never about the jet destination. It's about the journey. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about you're, you're traveling somewhere. You're with someone, you're, or you're very much with yourself when you're soloing on a trip. But you're, there's something connected, and there's, there's a process. And you cannot, you cannot ignore the scenery when you're canoeing. You cannot not be part of the landscape you're in when you're canoeing. So in terms of grounding who you are, where you are, what you are, as you paddle down rivers that you know were, were having this done for centuries, for millennia before any of us were around, there's something so Grounding is probably the wrong word because you're in a canoe on water, but it's, it's that. It's, it's centering you in, in, in what you are and who you are. Yeah. Roy McGregor said, um, no canoe, no Canada. I couldn't imagine the person I am without, without being a, a canoeist, without being a paddler. I mean, um, yeah, Roy actually, uh, uh, I remember a conversation with him about my, my first uh, canoeing experience on, on camera, which was uh, a picture my mom took of me uh, in the bow of an old Grumman that my dad had going down the little outflow rapids uh, up at Harrington Lake. And that was, that's, a, that's a photo I have on the wall of my, uh, my office. Actually, it's a, it's a triptych where uh, there's that, that picture of me and my dad uh, when I was probably about five or five years old, maybe. Uh, and then the next picture is me with my dad uh, in an inflatable, uh, an inflatable canoe or an inflatable uh, sport yak. Uh, going down the Rouge, and my father's in the front, and I'm in the back, and it was one from my river guiding days going down the uh, Sister Elizabeth Sill. Uh, and then the third picture is a picture of me and my 
two kids, and Sophie was pregnant with the third, mm -hmm. uh, and Sophie uh, up on the, uh, on the Yukon, Yukon River in Whitehorse uh, from many years ago. So just that idea of the canoe as being something that runs through my entire life is, is hugely who I am. Yeah. I haven't heard people doing whitewater in the Gatineau Hills, so that's, that's, <laughs> like, so that's, that's amazing. I want to take you from the rushing waters of, of Harrington Lake to uh, the Nahani. And when we, we wind this interview up with you, uh, we had some friends at CPAWS, the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, uh, who uh, said, oh, well, you did a trip with yeah. them in 2003 on the Nahani. In, in this summer of 2003, uh, I was approached by, uh, by CPAWS uh, and I was, you know, it was, I was very much a, a civilian then. I was, I think I was back studying engineering uh, at, in Montreal at that point. And um, they asked me if I wanted to, to go up and do this thing for the Nahani. And, and it was part of the Boreal Initiative and, and expanding the Nahani National Park. Uh, and I leapt on it. And it was just an absolutely incredible trip. And it did lead to uh, working with, uh, you know, one of the good things the Harper government did was uh, under Jim Prentice as environment minister, uh, expanding the national, the Nahani National Park Reserve uh, a few years later. So I was, I was glad to have contributed to that in what was an amazing paddling trip. It's, uh, it's a beautiful spot. So it's that mountain range and it's, and that, those Western rivers too, they're so different than here. Oh, and it was, it was one of my dad's favorite rivers uh, and, and he'd done it a, a couple of times. Uh, and you, I can't look at Virginia Falls without knowing that that center rock is, is called Mason Rock, uh, at least in the mind of everyone around after, after Bill. Um, and, and for me, like I, I paddled the Kootenai with my father when we were younger as well. So the time I spent, and I did a rafting trip with him years later on the on the Tatchinchini Alsek. So I mean, get, being those western and northern rivers is uh, yeah. is a huge delight. Yeah, no, they're amazing. So I want to say we've got Sepaws uh, has you did a journal for them. <laughs> so this I remember is, having done a journal for the first few pages for first few days, well, and then it slacked off. Well, I have to say, as someone who only does usually first four days of any journal, <laughs> I, I I completely sympathize and understand. But what you wrote was great, and I'm wondering if you can read just an excerpt from us here. And it's you and Jerry yeah. Butts were in a canoe together, so you're a long oh, time. Oh, there we go. Second day on the river. Jerry and I studied river maps and diagrams, talked to the guides, hiked ahead around the eddy and up the cliff to study the rapids, and finally decided on the perfect line to take. We had it theorized down to the millimeter. Of course, what ended up getting us through was only sheer dumb luck and frantic paddling, but isn't that always the way? And there's a little yeah. drawing of the figure eight rapids. <laughs> and it's such a metaphor for maybe politics, maybe life generally too. I mean, it's. I have long used uh, the image of paddling down rapids as the way you navigate through life. For me, like the, you know, the, the current's bringing you one direction uh, and you can, you can sometimes eddy out and pause a little bit and catch your breath. Uh, you don't decide where the rocks are, you just decide how to make it around them and you have to respond to what life throws at you as you keep paddling down the river. And for me, that's, that's yeah. It's sometimes just paddle hard. <laughs> just paddle <laughs> hard. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> what happens if the wind comes up on the river? Well, paddle harder and sing louder. <laughs> So, I mean, you mentioned Bill Mason, who I think kind of taught you to paddle. He did. He, I remember some of my, my first, uh, first canoe trips with him on, on the Pickinock uh, up here in, in, uh, in north of uh, in Utaway. Uh, we did La Petite Nation with him uh, uh, years later. It was, uh, he, was, he was the one who, uh, who yeah. really, well, my so, dad sort of 
roped him in to, to help, uh, help yeah. teach us how to they, how they to were good it. friends, I think. They were, yeah. they were great friends. I mean, for people who don't know him, he was kind of the Yoda of canoeing, kind of, his, I mean, a, a glib way to put it, but he was really made all these incredible books and he movies. Was, he and, was the person that, you know, God put on earth to teach us all how to paddle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and what was he, I mean, what was that like being in a canoe with the master, basically? I didn't know he was a master. My dad was just, he was just a friend of my dad's, and I knew he was, you know, great at it, yeah. but he was, he was always, you know, thoughtful and warm and generous, and I didn't feel like, you know, as he was correcting my J-stroke and pushing me towards using more of a Canadian or whatever, mm -hmm. I, like, I didn't, I didn't have a proper appreciation. He was just that you know, great friend of my dad's who had a, uh, a place with wolves on, on Meech Lake and, uh, and would come and paddle with us uh, in these you know, great outings. Yeah. Where, to be honest, given the childhood I had, given the amount of time my dad was away working, for me, those precious moments on the river, mm -hmm. regardless of Bill Mason being with us, was much more about me focusing on being with my dad. Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine. And you do that with your children now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this, this spring, I, uh, I took Zav uh, down the Riviera Simon uh, near Morin Heights uh, with actually my brother and his son. Uh, so it was actually, it was, a, it was a group of, when I said, okay, Sash, yeah, let's go, we'll do it this weekend, he called a few of his friends and it was, like six dads and their sons in canoes going down this, you know, really, really fun little river. Um, and then we all sort of looked at each other and goes, oh yeah, today's Mother's Day. This is not maybe the day where all the dads should go off and have a great time. Yeah. But uh, it was one of those things. But Zav actually uh, skipped a basketball tournament and he's a huge basketball player. It's something that he loves and everything. But I'm a terrible basketball player and so I can barely even sort of, you know, goof around with him uh, outside the, the house in the driveway. Uh, so for him to have taken time away from what was an important tournament to come paddling with me for the day uh, meant the world to me, but also I, I know meant the world to him. And it's those moments of bonding when you're you know, doing something like paddling down a Whitewater River that are, that are the things that will stay with him for the rest of his life the way yeah. moments like that with my dad stay with me. Yeah, and there's just a, there's something about focusing it all down too. You're in that canoe together. Of course. The rest of the world's just sort of drifts. And of all the canoes, everybody swam except us, and he was very pleased with that. <laughs> well done. Yeah, no, that is worth bragging about. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I'm sure there was some bragging <laughs> you know, too, Just a little, you know. you have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Your dad, obviously, I've mentioned, was a big canoeer, and he, I mean, he did this epic trip from Montreal to James Bay, right, As a, in his 20s, I think? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of, lot, he used to tell us stories about that, and we just... I mean, that's before sat phones, that's... Oh, yeah, no, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was not particularly envious of him on that trip, but I've always been envious of the stories he told me of paddling the copper mine, which is one of, yeah. my, uh, one yeah, of my goals. He did a lot of the Arctic rivers. Oh, yeah, yeah he just loved it. Yeah. And of course, you know, even in an era of sat phones, when you get up there, you are, you are yeah. properly out there. Yeah, no, I did the Wind River a few years ago, oh, and nice. that was, yeah, no, absolutely lovely. And again, yeah, you didn't see another person for two weeks. Yeah, it's like, lovely. I want to quote him, because there's a, quite a famous quote that he has. What sets a canoeing expedition apart is that it purifies you more rapidly and inescapably than any other. Travel a thousand miles by train, and you're a brute. Pedal 500 on a bicycle, and you remain basically a bourgeois. Paddle a hundred in a canoe, and you're already a child of nature. Now, your dad wrote that about 80 years ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Set still stand up today? Oh, yeah. It, it's from his, his essay, Ascetic in a Canoe. Um, I, 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 was all, I was amused by the quote because it's a, it's a concretization of, of just the way he was and the way he raised us. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, making sure I, I raise my kids so they are comfortable in a canoe, so they know what they're doing, um, is is foundational. It's part of part of the job of a, of a parent in Canada for me, anyway, is is making sure my kids can paddle. And I know that's not something that's available to a whole bunch of people, but yeah. it was the way I was raised. And you know, in this era of social media and everything, digital tech or anything, getting all the more important, getting out there into something that requires your presence mm -hmm. and your peacefulness at the same time. Even as there's moments of adrenaline, there's a there's a, um, a concreteness about it and a spirituality about it that uh, I think is just foundational for the soul. And so we've been through a summer now where obviously forest fires have been a big part of what the conversation has been about. And it's, I mean, it's the boreal forest, which is you know, a big chunk of what this country is and a big chunk of what we paddle through, you know. Is, as someone who has paddled those areas, I mean, What's it like watching this happen and what, what more needs to be done to stop that? Well, I think obviously the fight against climate change is unbelievably important and I know there's lots of reflections on, on you know, the contribution of, of climate change to any one event, but the increase in extreme weather events, whether it's floods and atmospheric rivers or forest fires or, or even more intense hurricanes like we saw with Fiona last year. Mm -hmm. uh, these are things that we have to be conscious of and, and do everything we can to, uh, to, to, to prevent or at least minimize. But fires have always been a part of you yeah. know, forests, and, and it's that interface with communities as they spread, uh, as, as we you know, prevent more fires and, uh, and therefore the accumulation of brush. I mean, there's all these theories on it, and, and I think we need to be really mindful about our responsibility to, to protect nature, not just as we fight climate change, but also uh, you know, step up. When, when you know, I, I got the first taste of politics when, um, Harper's government uh, made changes to the Navigable Waters Act, which mm -hmm. got all canoeists sort of up, up in arms about that. And I remember being asked about, uh, about that early on when I just got elected in 2015, and I just laughed and said, ha, Canada just elected a canoeist as prime minister. You're not going to have to worry about navigable <laughs> waters. But then, you know, when we hosted COP15 just last year, mm -hmm. uh, we set those global targets of 30% uh, of uh, land and 30% of sea protected by, by, tw by 2030. Um, we just brought forward a budget uh, that has um, investments in, in freshwater, uh, freshwater strategy uh, that is about $650 million over the next 10 years to protect, whether it's the Great Lakes or the Mackenzie or you know, anywhere in between. Um, these, are, these are serious things. Uh, the way we're working with uh, indigenous groups to, to create you know, massive uh, indigenous-led conservation mm, areas. The Guardians program. Yeah, these are things that, that matter on every level, yes, we need to protect biodiversity and nature. We also need to protect, you know, the opportunity of Canadians in future generations mm -hmm. to have these experiences that have shaped this country and continue to shape so many of us. You touched on a little earlier just the accessibility of canoeing for a lot of people, and it is still. I mean, if you get on the rivers, it's a very white sport still. You know, or it's a pastime, and it's. I, I, 
personally, I think it's really important that we can get, especially new Canadians, people who have less resources out there, and because it, it connects people with our vast wilderness in a way that's important to keeping it that way, right? And how do we, how do we make that more accessible? Well, I think people um, understand. The more I, I get out to national parks, the more you see uh, a greater diversity of Canadians going out and, and literally only dipping their toe in at first. But you see more and more families uh, doing that because there is an understanding that, that what so many of us take for granted in this country is not the reality elsewhere around the world. And we put forward programs when we were um, when we when we celebrated Canada 150. Um, we made national parks accessible to all Canadians for free. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. And we translated that hugely responded, including by a whole bunch of people who'd never been out to our national parks before. And we followed up with saying, well, when you get your Canadian citizenship, uh, you, you know, get a free pass to the national parks for the next year or, or whatever. It was something that we really did mm -hmm. on that. And then I remember we actually ran in a, in a piece of our platform, uh, which perhaps was uh, something I put in to make sure that I'd have at least one day in a canoe uh, during an election campaign, um, was the Learn to Camp program that National Parks put forward, which was all about taking new Canadians and giving them the opportunity to learn how to camp, to get in a canoe, to do all those sorts of things. So uh, I think it's just something we need to continue to be deliberate about encouraging people to do, because the barrier is not that people won't like it or it's just so many times people don't know how if you weren't you know put in a canoe when you were two mm -hmm. years old like i was um then you know well how do you even start uh that's what we need to keep shifting and opening up and and the more we can talk about it celebrate it and create accessibility for it um the better off we'll be favorite canoe uh, probably a prospector yeah yeah, yeah you know in a in a uh you know Ode to Ode to Bill, um, yeah. So cedar canvas or cedar canvas. Uh, you know, I I uh, I like a canoe with a little more heft. Although if I'm on a lot of portages, I'll pick a pick a Kevy every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually one of my favorite canoes probably was that old 17 foot Grumman we had that was indestructible. That yeah. we used to wrap around rocks. That yeah. we used to sink. We used to every like just yeah. For me. Actually, when my, when my son was starting at a new school, um, it was you know, late August, and he was like, well, they're taking us out on an on a orientation day, or can, you know, we're, we're going to go up and goof around in canoes. And I'm like, okay, well, you got to learn how to do a canoe or ca over canoe. He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, okay. And it was a cold day in late yeah. August, but we went out in two canoes, and I had him swamping it and showed him how to you know, you know, flip the canoe, turn it over, put it back in. And he was like, oh, God, I made him do it twice in freezing cold and, and everything. It was fine. And then three days later, he goes out. And they all go out on canoes on Lac Philippe. And sure enough, someone swamps right away. And even before the, 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 the teachers and instructors sort of came over, to, he, he and his buddy were paddling over. They did a full canoe over canoe, got them back in. was a total hero. And he's like, that was his introduction to his new school. And he was like, that, that, that was pretty good, Dad. That's a like, su yeah. successful canoe dad. Moment. Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was incredibly proud. He just wants me to stop telling the story. Uh, so I, uh, I think this might be this the last time. This might be the last time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Those, those Grumman's were indestructible. Oh, I know. And that Des Moines trip, we wrapped one. Yeah. And I remember we hammered it back into oh, yeah. shape and duct tape, I think, in a few places. Oh, yeah. Finished the trip. 
duct tape is like the force. <laughs> it has a dark side and a light side, and it binds the universe it together. It does absolutely do that. Um, we ask everyone who comes on this podcast about a favorite place in Canada, which I know is difficult for you as a prime minister, but I, I'm going to actually narrow it, ask you to narrow actually, it down. Actually, my favorite place in Canada yeah. is in the stern of any canoe I happen to be in okay. anywhere. I want a stretch of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure because there's so many more lakes and rivers that I'm going to be paddling the, the, over the, the next one, yeah. It's the, the next, next one. one will be my favorite, yeah. I think. Yeah. So but take you don't even have to just tell us what it is. Just describe it for me. Describe what you're seeing as you go down that stretch of water. Not full-on rapids. It's ripples. Nice. Um, there's rapids around the bend, but it's, they're not quite there yet. Uh, I don't see any signs of habitation. I've got packs in front of me in my canoe and someone I love. Uh, maybe, maybe my daughter uh, in, the, in the bow in front of me uh, and uh, we're excited about what's around the bend and uh, looking forward to whatever it is we're going to mess up on the campsite uh, for dinner that night. That sounds lovely. And what's a favorite memory with your dad? And the There's too many uh, and, and, and not enough. Yeah. Um, did you do Northern Rivers with him? Like, did you? Uh, not, not really. The, the, I, I didn't canoeing was often something he went off to do with mm -hmm. his yeah. grown-up friends. Yeah. Uh, so when I, when I was with him on, on the, on the uh, in a, in a, uh, in a rafting trip, that was one of the first times that we got to really bond. I was on the river like that. I was sort of 19 and it was our first sort of grown-up trip together. Um, but he was already sort of getting older and we weren't able to do as much as as uh, I would have liked on that but uh, it was I got to see him out there and he actually got to see me interacting with people he actually came back uh, and told my mom afterwards you know, Justin's actually very good with people. Okay. Yeah. So he was, and it was a group of strangers on this, on this trip that we, we all ended yeah. up fast friends yeah. at the end of it, like, uh, yeah. like one does on a canoe. You're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah he's, he just, just, the kid's <laughs> going to be okay. I don't know that he'll be prime minister one day, but he's, uh, he's going to be okay is, uh, is sort of the attitude on that. Yeah. yeah. He but, kept paddling. I mean, he did a, the trip oh, down to Petawawa oh, when yeah. he was 77. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He kept paddling a, a lot, but I, yeah. I, I didn't do enough with him. But one of the things I did, I remember when I, when I decided after that trip that I wanted to get, I'd done sort of canoeing guide and, and camp counselor in, uh, in Algonquin Park and up in the Tomogamy. Um, I decided I wanted a little, more, a little more intensity than we were allowed with camp counseling, yeah. which is you, you don't do the rapids with the kids. Yeah. Uh, so I went and got a summer job on the Rouge as a, as a whitewater river guide. And I'll remember, um, you know, six days in on the river, you're supposed to have like a dozen days as a rookie or 20 days as a rookie before they'll actually get let you guide their boat. And I was six days in and they handed me my paddle and they said, okay, it's a busy Saturday. We got no one to do it. You're on. And I'm like, I'm only six days in. I'm like, yep, nope, but you're doing it. And it was, <laughs> it was that sense of, Wow. Well, I actually know water. I know what I'm doing. I never thought of myself as being a good rafter because mm. well, rafting is, is just easy canoeing. Right. But and you just point at point at the big waves and go at it. Go then, right over them. Yeah. Exactly. Go through them and try yeah. and try. But then when I went back to canoeing mm. on the Nahani a few years later, after having been a river guy, a whitewater guide for a few years, um, 
I, and I hadn't been in a canoe for a while, I learned that I developed habits around anticipating and pre-positioning yeah. that made me a significantly better canoe, or, or at least minimal, because it was just, you learn how to read the water and position things, so you're nice and perpendicular and you can, but it also taught me the bad habit. I never looked for the sneak lines. I always looked for the biggest waves to go through in the middle, and of course would be bailing after every rapids, but uh, you gotta love it. Yeah, amazing. What, would, what advice would you have for people who are thinking about canoeing just starting out? Like, what's the um, best just, way to wet your feet? Just, just well, to not wet your feet. No, or not uh, wet your feet, yeah. Um, you, you pick a nice day. Um, you take, you know, make sure you're going out with someone who's, who's, you know, who knows what they're doing enough to teach you the, the J-stroke so you're not doing the goon stroke. And, and, uh, uh, and be, you know, be, be open to it. Be patient with yourself. And, uh, and you know, understand the silence and the bliss that comes with it. But, but you know, as for anything, um, you know, don't overthink it. Just look for an occasion to do it. Yeah, lovely. Well, I think that's a good note to leave it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a pleasure. I, I, yeah, we can chat about canoeing for hours, as most paddlers can. Yeah, no, and thank you very much for coming on. It's yeah. been a real, real pleasure to meet you, and yeah, hopefully we'll cross paths on a river someday. I'd like that very much. Great. Well, thank you, Prime Minister. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening. Up next in our canoe series is RCGS Explorer-in-Residence Adam Schultz talking about his epic paddling journey from Lake Erie to the Arctic Ocean. And we also have a ton of great canoeing conversations in our past episodes, including paddling legends James Raffin, Wally Shaber, Adam Schultz, also Canada's canoeing poet laureate, the great Roy McGregor. And if you like this podcast, please do us a big favour give us a rating and review wherever you listen. It helps more people find these conversations. And be sure to subscribe. That way, you won't miss any future episodes. So, until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're enjoying very much looking back at the Earth, and it's just a fantastic experience, and I just can't wait to get back and start telling you We have Simpson about June 10th with the 3rd Brigade, consisting of a number of York boats, each manned by 10 voyageurs. For us, it means, it means that in the oral history is very strong. And we flew over every inch of the country that could be. We were hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess 160 rides or so. There are shrimp fish swimming around outside. It's just fabulous here. Well, I'm a first for Canada.